Hello, and welcome to the ChemCycle podcast. I'm Hester Wells. Today we're talking about cycling and disability with Isabel Clement from Wheels for Wellbeing, a London-based charity. The following interview was recorded at one of our monthly meetings, and I apologise in advance for the sound quality. We had limited time available, so the recording took place in a meeting hall. After the interview, there are some excerpts from the Q&A session with Isabel after she spoke to the meeting. So do you want to um, say who you are and what you do? Okay, so my name is Isabel Clement. I'm the director of Wheels for Wellbeing, um, inclusive cycling charity based in London. How did you uh, get into doing that? So I've been involved with Wheels for Wellbeing since it's very, very beginning 10 years ago. Uh, I was uh, at the time a trustee of the organisation, just helping out really and not really knowing very much about inclusive cycling. And then I got more and more involved in supporting the organisation from the board's point of view and then eventually when uh, we were on to our to recruiting our third manager and director um, I thought actually this is the best job in the world <laughs> left the board and applied for the job um, and very luckily got it so um, but unbeknown to me in the very early days I was already a disabled cyclist but I didn't think of myself as a cyclist at all I was just using an adaption to my wheelchair to make it a little bit more all-terrain. Um, so what is the adaption that you use uh, for your wheelchair? So I, I use a clip-on hand cycle which uh, basically lifts my wheelchair uh, off its little casters and turns it into a trike basically. So I have a, a, a bigger wheel at the front and my two big wheelchair wheels at the back. Uh, and I uh, cycle with my arms. Do you find that the cycling environment uh, generally suits your uh, cycle? The cycling environment is variable, so a lot of it is absolutely fine. I mean, obviously, standard roads, good or bad, are just roads, and generally they're better for me than pavements. So actually, even with very little cycling infrastructure, for me it's a lot easier to move uh, unimpeded through uh, on, on the streets and through traffic than it is to push my wheelchair on the pavement, along the pavement. So that's the first thing. I also have proper brakes on the bike, on the hand bike. I, I, I have the power assist so I can go further, faster, safer on the roads regardless. Where it becomes difficult is where, because I'm quite, I'm lower down than, uh, I'm sitting lower down than a, than a standard cyclist would. So visibility in heavy traffic or in a lot of, yeah, a lot of waiting traffic or in very narrow streets etc with lots of parked cars visibility can be quite uh, tricky so that's where the, the traffic then starts becoming a bit of a uh, of an intimidating factor and having obviously segregated infrastructure really helps with feeling confident not not having any worries about coming a proper with you know big lorries buses etc where things get even worse are places which sometimes are really good in parts, uh, so cycle paths or uh, off-road, good quality surfaces, etc. But at the end of which there may be a set of bollards or barriers which are too narrow and means that I either can't get on it or I can't get it off the path. And the same is, and it is the same for anybody who cycles a wider cycle than a standard bike. But if you're on a cargo bike or on a tricycle or on a hand cycle, you're finding you know that some of the infrastructure is just impassable it's meant for cyclists but it's not meant for cyclists on different kinds of cycles so what work does wheels for wellbeing do uh, in this area 
So in the last sort of four or five years, we've become much more engaged in advocating on behalf of disabled cyclists. We are engaging with, particularly in London, Transport for London, uh, but also getting our message across, uh, trying to get our message out nationally. So we're also working with Highways England, Department of Transport, etc. So trying to influence, on the one hand, standards and guidance and um, rules around the planning and the designing of cycling infrastructure and, and highway infrastructure and to ensure that people who are designing, who are planning, who are um, making decisions about cycling infrastructure understand that they need to be planning for wider longer cycles as well. So if they do that from, from the start, then everybody can get through, including uh, non-standard cycle users. So Will Swerving lobbies and tries to understand the, the planning system and the, the kind of guidance that um, engineers work to, etc., and influence them and, and try and get opportunities when they're being updated to get in there and, and actually say, right, well, we need to, to talk about dimensions, we need to talk about sight lines, etc., etc., turning circles, all that sort of thing. So we do that kind of policy work, campaigning work with the public authority. We also are working with uh, cycling organisations and cycling campaigns like yourself to inform the wider cycling community about the fact that we're, you know, disabled cyclists are part of any cycle campaigns constituency, and there are plenty of cycle cyclists out there who cycle with impairments, who cycle standard or non-standard cycles, and that. If the uh, local campaigns are armed with the information about what is a fully inclusive cycle network, then you can then take it locally to your uh, local councillors, to your planners, to you know, etc. So actually spreading the word much wider. And then the third thing we're doing is that we're working with um, disability organisations as well to educate disability organisations to the fact that cyclists are also they also belong within the disability community, the disabled community and the disability sector. So yes, so we work with local authorities and, and planning authorities, we work with government, uh, so we do that lobbying work, we work with cycling campaigns and we work with disability organisations. Okay. And uh, you have a uh, conference coming up, do you want to tell us about that? Yes, I would love to tell you about the conference. Um, so it is our 10th anniversary this year and we are uh, doing a, a number of events to celebrate the fact that we're still here, <laughs> 10 years later. And so a couple of weeks ago we were having a, a week of uh, celebrations to celebrate our community of cyclists down in London at our inclusive cycling sessions, etc. And now we're moving on to the final, putting the final touch to the planning of uh, a big national conference which we are putting on to celebrate the impact that we are we hope to continue having afterwards you know for the next 10 years and this conference is looking at two things one is the huge transformational impact that cycling can have on disabled people's lives and conversely the huge transformational impact that disabled people can have on the cycling environment and those are the two themes on our uh, of our conference and we, we will be having uh, it's at city hall it's on the 7th of november and we will have speakers from public health england uh, from local authorities from the department from transport from uh, the 
Commissioner for uh, Walking and Cycling, the London Mayor's Commissioners on, on, on Walking and Cycling, etc. And we hope it to be a really, really excellent day for people to, to learn about areas of, of cycling or of disability that they have never thought about before and to in, ha, enable people who don't necessarily talk to each other to be in the same room talking about the same thing. So is, that, is it open to the general public or is it aimed at councillors? It's aimed at not so much the general public, though there are uh, places reserved for disabled cyclists themselves. And then otherwise, it's aimed very much at, yes, local politicians, national politicians, local authorities, staff, whether it's transport or cycling specifically or not, uh, whether it's uh, public health organisations. And we have, we have a speaker from the Royal College of GPs, who's the physical activity lead, for example, for the Royal College of GPs, who will be uh, there presenting. So, a really broad range of professionals and campaigners. We'd love to have you know, a, a really good representation from all those worlds. So, yes, we encourage people to contact us. We've kept the price as low as we possibly could to try and encourage people to be able to um, come from broad varieties of organisations and or even individuals if it's for a personal uh, and campaigning kind of um, interest. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> After the main presentation, we had a Q&A session with Isabel, and I want to share some of the responses she gave, talking from a more personal point of view about some of her experiences and how she came to cycling as a mode of transport for her in her wheelchair. So is it safer and what's the difference between cycling on the pavement for somebody like myself maybe or cycling on the road but it's a really really interesting question because when i first started with my first iteration of this thing it wasn't power assist and i'm no athlete i'm as lazy as they come and i was seeing it as the way i discovered it which was a way of keeping up with my kid in the park so it was uh, making my wheelchair a little bit more all-terrain so I wasn't using it on the roads at all. I wasn't even thinking of myself as a cyclist. It was still about my wheelchair being a little bit more useful than it had been before. Um, so when I started thinking, well, actually, I don't work that far from my house. Could I cycle? Could I go there with my adaption to my wheelchair? I started doing it on the pavement. And because I was, like most people in London, petrified of going on the road. Um, but it was really tricky. One, I didn't like the fact that, you know, you're not really meant to cycle on the pavement and am I in the way and all of that. But also you're constantly having to worry about, obviously, people coming in and out of driveways. There's pe Pavements are busy. There's lots of people on them. Um, you, you do or you don't get the drop curbs and all of that. So actually, pavements are not a very comfortable environment to be cycling on even if in my situation actually nobody tells me to get off because they can see I'm in a wheelchair mm. and then I start I then I invested in this one which is power assist so I could start going on the road and I wasn't intimidated by the hills and I wasn't intimidated by traffic and I could keep up should I need to I, I use my own power because that's what it's for but when I need to I use the e-power the, e the electric power and I realised that actually, for me, it's a, I feel a lot safer on the road than on the pavement. One, I don't want to be on the pavement in people's way, but also I feel a lot safer on the road because it's, um, well, I've got the, I, 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 can get, I can get speed 
going, which I can't, wouldn't want to on the pavement. Um, the, the road surface, however imperfect it is, is usually better than the pavement surface. So actually it's a smoother ride. And also as a disabled person who is mm. usually slow on the pavement and I'm fast on the road, I feel I have personal safety improvements as well. I don't feel as much of a potential victim because I'm, I'm on the road. Nobody's going to mess with me <laughs> is what goes on in my head. I feel a lot more powerful and a lot more in control on the road going at speed in traffic than I do struggling on the pavement. So to, to answer your question, Angela, I feel safer on the road, even though a lot of people would think, oh, that's really scary. But I don't feel that it's, you know, and I cycle in London. I mean, maybe I'm just insane, but I'm, <laughs> I, I don't tend to get yeah. myself in situations with, if, yeah. if it feels too scary, if it feels, I'm not going to go on the north circular on my bike. I just, that would be insane. But I find the right balance of roads I know and roads I feel happy with, and hence I'm ha happier on the road. One huge barrier to cycling is the fact that uh, these kinds of things are expensive. So where there are subsidies to enable people to either officially to cycle or to acquire a mobility aid, we're interested. So the main area of, uh, the main of subsidy for uh, mobility aids is the motability scheme, which goes back again to the, the uh, looking at it in, in comparison to cars, because the mobility, motability scheme has been built mainly to enable disabled people to acquire cars. And that's a great thing. Uh, and I'm a, a driver as well. I'm, I'm not just, I, I'm not, you know, I am a driver as well as a cyclist. And I don't think there's anything wrong with providing people with cars. It's absolutely brilliant when they need them. But you can also get a, a power chair on the scheme and you can also get a mobility scooter. Uh, but you can't get a cycle. So we are trying, and it's hard, we haven't found the door in yet, but we're getting closer to talk to motability. Cycle to work scheme is capped at £1,000. So even though that's to enable people to purchase cycles, you can't get most of these things. So again, we're talking to government uh, about trying to up the limit, and for the moment they're saying no. But we'll get there eventually. Um, so, I mean, the... the I, I think there is a real thing about uh, uh, mobility scooters is that people who are walking and who are starting to find walking difficult mm. currently, because we're not yet in a beyond the bicycle sort of all enlightened world, people think the only option is the mobility scooter and are not realising that actually tricycle or an e-bike, a standard e-bike and then at, or, and or a, a, an e-trike and or, a, a, you know, are options and are really fun options and are really good options. To be honest, I, at the age of 36, when my son was starting, got his first bike, I was, I had no idea about this whole thing. And I was thinking, I'm going to have to get a mobility scooter. And it was really with a heavy heart because at the age of 36, to me, that was a granny scooter. Excuse me, but it's, it's, it was not what I wanted to be seen as uh, or on. But I didn't know any better. It's only after much research that I happened upon this beauty and, uh, and this concept and that I was able to discover actually being physically active and having fun and, and actually instead of the, what I was worried about was people looking at me and going, oh, you know, this poor young lady with 
young middle middle-aged lady with her little boy on a bike and she's on the balloons oh to actually people going <laughs> and it's literally it is that powerful to me as an individual to have that reaction in people's eyes and in, in people look at this with joy and, and envy and they just they get it it's it's fab you don't look at a, somebody going by on a mobility, mobility scooter with the same you know reaction and and that's beautiful and we we should be promoting it and it, it's so powerful Thanks very much to Isabel for speaking to us and allowing us to record her. I hope you enjoyed her inserts as much as I did. This has been a podcast for Cambridge Cycling Campaign, a charity based in Cambridge, UK. If you enjoyed this podcast, please find us and rate us on iTunes and other podcast services. You can find us online at www.camcycle.org.uk, on Twitter as at Camcycle, and Facebook as Cambridge Cycling Campaign. Thanks for listening.